Welcome to the Grow Zone, real-time adventures. With Sarah Hübner, the communications adventurer, and Kerry Temple, the outdoor adventurer. Hello there, I'm Kerry and Sarah is with me here on Zoom. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about resilience. And to start us off, I believe, Sarah, you have a definition for us? Yes. Resilience literally means elasticity and being able to bounce back. And in real life, it means being able to deal with difficult situations without giving up. So bouncing back from difficult situations. Great. Thank you. I feel like the resilience can be on so many levels, so personally, in the world around us, our societies, and we've already spoken a little about about the different levels. In terms of elasticity, I personally, actually really fairly recently, have an experience of where I actually almost, I physically felt like I had a giant elastic band in me. And I was like, oh, I think this is resilience. (laughs) Um, Can you expand um, on that? Yeah, yeah, I will. And it was actually about a year ago, around this time, and I was involved in a pretty nasty car accident. I Thankfully, and everyone in it came out okay. Um, Unfortunately, not my poor little car, but that's another story. (laughs) Anyway. Thankfully, I was I was able to walk out my car and that was all good. But it was obviously a bit of a shocking, um, shocking moment. And yeah, I was in a moment where I have never, thankfully, haven't been in an accident like that before and had to work out what all the different things that you have to do. And it was a moment where I literally kind of looked in myself and thought, ah, this is this is okay. This is going to be okay. It will all work out. And I think there were a few different, yeah, a few different points. I'd just come back from a really great conference, which hopefully we'll talk about in a in a bit later to do with resilience in a way. But um, I literally felt in myself, this is it in action. And I had all the different strands and the support network one of the support networks was that I knew that the friend that I was about to meet was you and you literally downed (laughs) downed (laughs) tools and came straight to me and yeah and 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 my partner who took on the organization of, of 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 aspects at that point the some of the logistical side of things and I literally worked through the next steps knowing that that I was supported that I had control and I knew what I yeah what I needed to do to get through those first few moments of dealing with it. And also that the people around and involved were also kind and supportive. So, um, yeah, that was my moment of elasticity and resilience. And that carried me through actually a bit, I'd say, the next t- the next few weeks, because it was almost the start of COVID, which for us was obviously um, suddenly having its its impact as well on the business side of things so not necessarily the easiest of times but having almost had that experience right at the beginning of everything I felt like it gave me a lot of strength to actually get through the next few months so yeah that's why (laughs) and I can second that that you dealt with it in a productive way in a calm manner because basically 
Um, we met up. I met you and we drove to the hospital to have you checked up. And then we decided to use the day and just make the most of it. And if you had been all worked up and tense, you wouldn't have been able to let yourself in for that. You were able to actually, however, be calm. And we went for long walks. We had coffee and cake. And as we kept on talking about things, the idea for working together happened. So in the end, actually, this podcast was a product of the day when Kerry had the car accident and was able to resiliently deal with it. And I guess my part was being flexible on the day and changing plans and going with the flow. So a short example of a crisis that actually led to something really good. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's a really good, it is a really good point. And that's, you know, and you, you realise, I think, later that, yeah, when you look back on things, you see things from a different perspective, don't you? And it was totally unexpected as, thankfully, it, I, I'm thankful for some things that are unexpected. And I think the more that we can equip ourselves for the unexpected, the better we can deal and stay calm with them when they actually do happen. It doesn't mean to say that uh, I've been like that on every occasion, but that's one example of when I actually felt that happen. So Sarah, how about you? Can you think of an example of where you felt resilience? Well, I've changed my life situation many, many times, several times over my life, as in moving from one country to another. And the first time I did that was at the age of 17 when I went to the US to Michigan for one year as an exchange student. And I wanted to do that. That was a dream come true. Yet still, on several nights when going to bed, I was crying and feeling homesick and even though I was crying and feeling homesick, I do also remember thinking that it's okay. I made this choice. I was happy that I'd made this choice. So I was aware that being sad and feeling homesick didn't sort of reverse my decision of wanting to be there. It was part of the whole process. And that I think if I, I could have also just gone with my sadness and homesickness that I felt often, especially in the evenings, um, the first several months in particular, um, and then given up. But I knew that this was such an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. So I stayed <laughs> and enjoyed the year. That's, yeah, that's interesting. And it's interesting that you say about the fact that you knew that it was such a valuable experience that you stuck with it. And I think maybe that's part of, of the skill set that, that maybe we'll come to talking about how how resilience is that the point of not giving up and it's about about also that willingness to do something that you know is going to take you outside of your comfort zone yeah and where you feel stronger and bigger afterwards such as even like a friend of mine a couple of years ago asked me to write an article for a magazine um a tango magazine about her father who did tango dances paintings, paintings on tango dances. And she didn't want to interview him because it was her dad and she felt she was too close to it. And then she asked me to do that. And I'd never published anything in writing, anything like an article. So I just, I felt really intimidated by that task. 
Yet I thought, well, I'll, I'll go for it. And I stuck through it. It took a lot of work. The pay that I received for it was minimal compared to how long I took. However, in the end, I managed to create a de fairly decent article. And I just felt so proud. Like it was something that I didn't think I could do. But then I was able to do it. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really fun example, and also show you know you need to be have that bit of bravery to to put yourself outside of the comfort zone, and those are ways that I guess we work to encourage people to train themselves for resilience. But sometimes life can be the training, <laughs> like like the examples and the examples that that we gave, and that's what we're kind of training for and through the work that we do I guess is we're trying to support people to learn these skills in maybe supported in, in supported environments so that when th life throws the curveballs at them that they've got that skill set to look for the silver lining to dig at, dig deep and find that strength and turn um, turn it to their advantage yeah and Going with that, so now more than ever, it's really important to learn those skills because we live in such a fast-changing, ever-changing world. Also referred to uh, with the acronym VUCA, so volatile. Everything is uncertain, short, and uh, short-lived. Then uncertain, as in we never know what's going to happen next. Complex. There's many layers to things and ambiguous. So there's different meanings to that. There's no right or wrong nowadays. And if you think back, religion maybe gave a lot of people in the past a much stronger hold. Like, this is bad and this is right. And we don't have those clear yes or right decisions or judgments nowadays because usually first of all we know that more things exist parallel and they have to exist at the same time for them to work we're aware of them and that in itself takes the certainty or the yes no away it's i think today it's a lot more both and I, even just thinking about the worlds that we have got running parallel, like we've got so many emails coming in, then there's Facebook, if you're still on Facebook, Instagram, uh, so social media, uh, that's one layer. We've got our interactions, maybe now with home office, with a, cert a circle of people, we've got our friends, we've got the people in person there, and there's so many and the news which are going. So there's so many levels happening at the same time. What do I focus on? How do I manage that? That's just one small aspect, all the information coming to us. To that point, Sarah, is really interesting. I've just been reading a book and I can recommend it to all of you listeners. If you've not read it already, that's Lessons from about the 20, less, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. Um, and it also gives the example of all the different challenges that we are facing in the 21st century and the complexity and how everything is really intertwined and to actually equip our future generations for this complex world that actually education should be less focused about building knowledge because knowledge is everywhere at your fingertips, but more about developing the skills for for the 21st century, which is adapting to the fact that you're going to live longer, you're going to have to manage your 
the complexity of life longer, which means almost reinventing yourself over and over again. And actually, it made me think a lot of improv, Sarah, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because, I mean, it's obviously the resilience something to train the outdoors, but I particularly like this one quote, and I thought it fitted so well for improv, because it basically said, the, said, you will have to repeatedly let go of some of what you know best and feel at home with the unknown. And that made me really, really make that connection or connection with what what you do with improv and what you're doing really in being in the present moment and improv um at which point maybe you've got a game for us yes of course i've got a game so <laughs> basically we'll just do mini 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 scenes and each time it's a very famous game by keith johnstone um the we it each scene starts with one person coming in saying it's tuesday in a neutral voice and the other person reacts to that with mm-hmm. an emotion so it's Tuesday. <gasps> no, it's not Tuesday already, is it? I've not done my homework. Great. <sighs> okay. It's Tuesday. Oh, Tuesdays. I love the sound of Tuesdays. It just has this harmonizing vibe to it. Oh, I wish we could just be surrounded by Tuesdays. <laughs> It's Tuesday. Oh, it's my birthday! Oh, I can't wait to open my presents. (laughs) It's Tuesday. (laughs) It was a Tuesday when my dog died. Oh, I just, I can't deal with it being Tuesday again. It just happens every week and I just feel sad all the time. It's Tuesday. That means Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Three more days and it's the weekend. It's Tuesday. Oh, yes. Today, my new headphones are arriving. They are amazing. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so... Why are we doing Tuesday's that? the day. <laughs> Seize the day. <laughs> um, and people might th- be thinking, what does this have to do resilience with resilience? And uh, mm-hmm. basically, like, one part of resilience is how a crisis. What is a crisis? Uh, and that can be. And how we reframe it or frame a situation, we make the world what it is. And of course, there will be terrible things that happen. Yet it's, as you said earlier on, it's how you react to that. And often what we're presented with is quite neutral. So I have noticed that I used to do that sometimes in the past too, and I try not to do it so much, but um, generally people are good at making problems. And when you become aware of when do I have big reactions to something, especially negative reactions, it's good to examine that. Where's that coming from? Is it worthwhile freaking out about something? For example, when I was still teaching, there'd always be huge discussions about the holidays of the coming year when they'd been said, oh, we have half a day less or one day less here. And if you, I would wonder, like, is this something I need to actually waste my, do I have to make this a crisis? Is that something 
to expend my energy on? Or is it easier to just accept it when it's already fixed? Like if I can't fix it, why waste my energy on it? Yeah, no, that, I think that's a, a good point. And I think it is dealing with, it's interesting that for giving that as an example, because resilience is on, on many levels and it could be from something is dealing with change and that could be a big change or little changes. And the more comfortable we are with dealing with little changes, the more comfortable we're going to be with dealing with bigger changes as well that may be maybe bigger and more incremental, but actually lots of lots of change and learning how to deal with this on a daily basis can be actually a very a very useful tool to deal with with the bigger ones. Yes. Yeah. And accepting that that is part of it, like that our world is changing. If you we make our lives difficult by trying to hold on to things that may not be possible to hold on to. And then when something pops up, a change or something where we have to make a choice, it's good mm -hmm. to make a choice and to be solution oriented, finding a way of making it work rather than discussing too much that this is actually happening. So by being fixed on something and not allowing something, wanting to hear the change, you're actually mm -hmm. also slowing down the process of dealing with it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, going back to the game that we played yeah. and we have a, a, a neutral statement like that, um, that you can, you're choosing in that moment then to take it in, in whatever direction you want. But obviously something might come and it, it obviously triggers you and... How do you then take that step to realize it's taking that step, isn't it? To realize that's, that's where the trigger is and what that is to take, as always, that moment to stop mm -hmm. and think and before you choose your reaction. Yeah, well... As an I mean, improvise. we didn't stop and think, really. Yeah. We just improvise. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> exactly. As an improviser, you, I'm accepting something that's giving, given to me and I'm making a strong choice, though. Like, I'm mm -hmm. making the strong choice of um, an emotion, go, taking a mm -hmm. statement that is quite neutral, putting an emotion to that. And the reason I do that as an improviser for this is for the story, to create an interesting story, because if it's too yeah. factual, then that gets boring. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> ironically, a lot of the content that we generate in improv um, w needs to be with strong emotions. And we won't have strong emotions in life, yeah. yet the tools that we use are accepting what we have and mm -hmm. finding solutions. And then in improv, within the scenes, we will try and find a solution of, like, that's more dramaturgy, but in the end, it's finding a solution for the scene taking things forward, yeah. like not standing still. So the tools that we use to uh, create stories help us to create interesting improv, hopefully. And of course, there's always things that fail, but that's part of improv. And that's the other thing, like in improv, you will yeah. create many, many, many bad scenes, <laughs> have many bad scenes, and hopefully also just as many great scenes. And we not to get down by the bad scenes and get hooked up on that scene that failed. Like, again, it's a choice. What do I focus on? Do I focus on the scenes that went well? Or do I focus on the scenes that failed? Uh, again, a choice. I think... That's a really, uh, a really interesting point that, particularly for improv, in that fact that 
that you are entering that zone with the, the unknown of whether it's going to be a success or at what point um yeah at what point you might it might change and it like you say embracing failure and it reminds me actually of a um of an image that I saw this time last year. I was at a conference in the UK, it's called the Adventure Mind Conference, which was exploring the potential for outdoor adventure and the links with mental health and well-being. And there was a really great, um, there were many great talks, but there was a really great talk, an image that was presented um, by a leading, um, a leading professor in this field. And it was basically, it gave the image of a tightrope and where you have the one end, the fixed survival end, and then the other end um, of the tightrope is really at the end where you're flourishing and thriving. And basically in life, we, we're walking somewhere along, we're somewhere along this tightrope and maybe at different points at different times on this tightrope. And maybe that's the same as an improv scene, you're on that, uh, that tightrope and maybe on an adventure, you're at different points as well on that tightrope and if you stand still on this tightrope you're obviously not going to be moving anywhere but also you're going to be in a very precarious situation because you're just standing still and we all know that that's if you've ever stood on a on a tightrope or a slack line or anything like that that it's actually quite that's really quite challenging quite frightening but if you actually start moving and taking steps forward in the direction yeah you might wobble yeah you might fail but every time you do that you're actually strengthening that tightrope and you're building strands around it to support you and to get stronger and yeah the tightrope to make it stronger sturdier steadier um to negotiate and I think that's 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 what you're the same way that you're building the scenes in improv but also if you fail that you have those the the the, the safety nets there as well that you're you're not by yourself <laughs> that you have other people there to support you um or fail together and um or su- and succeed together and those are the points that also build strands strands around you on that tightrope yeah and you mentioning people around you i would like to just let you know carrie that you are part of me helping me being more resilient. And I've got two specific examples for that. Um, You are a role model to me. Like you started your business several years ago and I saw you go through the process. And I remember, I don't know, was it five, six years ago, you had a bit of a crisis within the business. Things weren't going so well. And I was really wondering whether you would make it through. And I was so impressed because you stuck to what you'd set out to do and you knew why you wanted to continue. So you managed to overcome those difficult times. And now you seem to be stronger than ever within your business. And that, I mean, I must start the beginning of starting my business and keeping that in mind, I find um, very helpful. And the studies or that show also that um, part of being resilient helps having good role models. And the other thing um, where you help me being resilient is um, our friendship. That's another thing that we need to be resilient. We need good people around us, people we can rely on. I know that you are one of those people I can rely on if things go pear-shaped. You are definitely on the top of my list, um, one of the people I can call, and I know you'll be there. So thank you for making me more resilient. (laughs) 
Thank you, Sarah. That's very, that's very kind of you. And I appreciate that. And likewise, it all goes round in circles, doesn't it? <laughs> but, um, yeah, <laughs> it's exactly the same. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. And I think knowing that you have, um, yeah, you, that you have those support networks out there and recog- and recognizing that. And it's really, I think, fun and encouraging to see other people developing and growing and being resilient too um and that's i think probably one of the joyful parts of our business i sometimes find there um the in the area of work that i do be it's a fine line encouraging resilience because we've also got to look out for people's safety um especially when working with young people but it's i think it's so important that we give the young people the opportunity to develop and grow in terms of um in terms of resilience so it's often so tempting to um yeah to to support people want to help people so much that we don't let people do things for themselves or to experience things for themselves and I certainly think that nowadays in society everything's so designed for comfort you know from the fact that um you know you drive from this place to that place in a heated air-conditioned car or heated ski lifts even so we're not feeling the elements um and everything's so yeah so organized for us we're not we we become almost numb to putting ourselves in areas of discomfort and can i just add instance like we can get things instantly that's another way of yes. avoiding yeah. discomfort like it's a mouse click yes. away yes sorry for interrupting so true so yeah. true no that's fine no exactly so actually and that's a point you know to that you've actually got to persevere to get something and it's sometimes really hard i think to um as a facilitator in these experiences it's sometimes hard to stand back and watch someone going through the process that you know is a growth process, but you know is pretty much a discomfort. <laughs> and it's a really, I had an interesting experience in the autumn with a group of students that um, were doing their final expedition, a silver expedition um, from the Duke of Edinburgh's award program, if that means anything to you. But basically these students had to complete their own expedition, camping and being self-sufficient for three days. And we'd normally do it in the height of, in the height of summer. And last time they did it, they had a plague of mosquitoes. So um, they, they weren't very lucky then. But this time um, they were out in September and it happened to be an absurdly cold weekend when there was even snow <laughs> and it was very British it was very British weather and we're not used to that so much really doing expeditions in Germany and we had on the first night we had one of the teams that really got really really lost and were really really late getting into camp and we were really at the point of trying to work out where where at what point they were at to support them to get into camp um but they didn't have their they have an emergency mobile phone on and they were fully in control so they'd not turned it on at that point but we couldn't get through to them to say you know where are you and for us we we knew they must we knew more or less their location but but to hold on and wait and eventually they turned up um pretty pretty much like drowned rats pretty exhausted and having to then go and cook their their, their dinner their dinner in the dark and everything but actually it was a really good um 
reminder for us because they they got in, they sorted out their dinner, they pushed through, and they from that experience for the rest of the 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 weekend that set them up they got through that first night and they just took the rest in their stride because they'd survived and got through that first night and the temptation as an adult to to interfere and support them and not let them you know they've got to the, the aim of the expedition is that they support each other as a group and we you know we don't interfere so we you know we stood back and let them let them do that but it's a very it's a very hard um yeah I think it's a very hard thing to do sometimes and I wonder I don't know if that is something similar in in improv that you um how do you get around that <laughs> well you don't have to get around it really because mm-hmm. that's probably one advantage that you you can do anything on stage generally mm-hmm. besides insulting people and beating them up but <laughs> you can you can actually stand at a cliff and jump off mm-hmm. the cliff if you want because it's theater it's made up yeah. so you can create those situations and by even putting yourself emotionally into that you can train yourself mm-hmm. to see how what will happen what does that do uh, do to me and that mm-hmm. is probably a huge advantage that you can really try and push um conflict to happen a crisis to happen and even though like you it is a safe place especially mm-hmm. beginner improvised but actually the whole range and i pray sometimes also part of it like we don't even even dare to do that in our minds sometimes so brave improvisation is actually going out there and out of the comfort zones whatever that is and trying mm-hmm. out new situations letting things happen letting action happen and when you become aware that you're avoiding that so with a good instructor sometimes or with people very aware with your other players you can then catch yourself and say ah okay i didn't push myself or we didn't we, we avoided that situation and that already is a lot of information that's something mm-hmm. to become aware of and to then move from there i'd like to mention another big factor that helps people be more resilient because i'm just going to say that with self confidence i think it is one of my biggest strengths optimism mm-hmm. and i don't yeah. see myself as a an unrealistic optimist but someone who's actually can see the good in almost any situation like i've had um as we all have like terrible things happen to me and generally i always come out saying well i've learned this or i've learned that and i'll challenge you for a mini mini game that i've just made up okay throw yeah. something terrible at me and i will show you what is good about it <laughs> <laughs> and each okay. sentence will start with well at least <laughs> okay sarah there's no more cake well at least i won't put on any more weight <laughs> sarah this lockdown is carrying on for another year Oh, that's a challenging one. Well, at least I'm well set up and my online parties are going very well, so that business should be continuing and flourishing. Um there's a big storm coming this weekend, so you're going to have to spend all the weekend indoors. Oh, well, at least I can finish reading my novel that I've just started. Sarah, the whole of Germany has been wiped out by a deadly ant virus and you are the only one left. Hmm. 
Well, at least one person is left to carry on and continue with everything she or well uh, that everything I've learned from living in Germany and to hand that over to someone else. So I'm grateful for everything I've experienced in Germany when it still existed. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, it turns out that your partner is not Kai, but Boris Johnson. <laughs> well, at least I didn't know for the longest time. I wasn't aware of that. Now I can react and <laughs> draw consequences. <laughs> Thank you. Those are beautiful challenges. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, optimism is one of those mm -hmm. things. Again, this links with reframing, how we look at things. And with any one of these yeah. examples, you can go and become the victim of it. And of course, mm -hmm. I, this doesn't mean that I don't ever grieve, that I don't feel anger. Yet, when you can see what you've learned from a situation or the good that comes out of it, that is so much more powerful than feeling you have no power over the situation and you're just swept away with it. Yeah. I absolutely agree. That's a good point. First of all, absolutely, I 100% concur. Sarah is a an amazing optimist. <laughs> <laughs> I can always see, can always see the positive and the learning um, from it, which I think is a is a is a great is a great ability and a great inspiration. But it also ripples in the fact that I think you do. Like you say, it, it's your it's having that choice and the power for you to change something, and um, yeah, and make something of the situation. And I think that comes from the fact that I feel that you have also very you've got very clear values and you know what your goals are and your purpose, and um, and those are deeply set. You you know that, and so you that helps guide you as well as well, Sarah. And I think having also a positive self-perception and, and having confidence in yourself is something where you know that, that you can trust yourself to take to take take positive steps and make positive choices and see something from it. But I, I agree totally. Resilience is having this is is in being self-empowering itself. It's empowering yourself to to make something out of the situation rather than sitting around and grumbling about a situation. You're not moving forward. In any way, you're probably just, I think, bringing other people <laughs> down in a situation. Um, but resilience is having that, having that, that, that acceptance of saying, yeah, it's not the situation that I've chosen, but this is, this is, this, there's a route out of it. And I think it's, it's um, surprising sometimes the routes that come out of it. And like we said, like going back to that, the car crash, that out of the car crash last year came the grow zone. So, There are other things that come from it, and I, I am a, I, lo I love reading books about adventurers. I love listening to podcasts about adventurers, and that's one of the things that I love. I find so inspiring, and that, in some way, I think supports me and my resilience as well, because I learn about how other people deal with real, real hardships, real struggles, and that inspires, um, yeah, that inspires me to to step out of my comfort zone to push myself when something is not um is not how I'd choose it or, or be or be just 
yeah, or the discomforts. And I think a lot of these people talk about the fact of, of, of gratitude for the small things. And I think going back to the expedition with my students, the, the, um, at the end of it, they were so grateful for the last day. It was super sunny and beautiful weather and beautiful views. And they just stopped and enjoyed the views in places and really just appreciated all of those those little things and I obviously think they really enjoyed the hot shower <laughs> when they got home and all of all of that but the, the appreciation of, of, of the little things um, is also a yeah a, a big a big tool. Yep and I'd like to add that it's not only being resilient when something unexpected happens but we've kind of hinted at it it's when you you can also form your own path right? and that mm -hmm. means you step out of your comfort zone on purpose to grow and this all of these things like going on your the trips um the outdoors that you choose to go on doing improv all those are ways to help train resilience in, and they, those skills are transferable to different parts of life or different life situations. So mm -hmm. I think keeping in mind that leaving our comfort zones to accomplish something that we may not have dared to do so otherwise, uh, that will help us to also deal with crisis better. And generally, it's something we can work on in everyday life. And it doesn't always have to be tedious and everything. Like Improv is play. You're playing mm -hmm. with and your elast elasticity, your flexibility, your training, mm -hmm. flexibility in a playful manner. So mm -hmm. that's, <laughs> I yeah. suggest sign up for an improv class <laughs> right now or go to the, into the outdoors and practice resilience, <laughs> strengthen your resilience. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I wanted to add, apart because the a big difference between our work, our work was obviously the fact that the, um, the risk side of things and... I think an important point to also say for, for people that are going doing things in the outdoors and how to encourage it is you've got to find that fine balance between what's a challenge that's going to give you, um, support you to grow re resilience and something that's also, you know, th that is maybe a bit fearful, but also the, the magic of, of a supporting events is also we're reducing the risk side of things. So through preparation, through training, it's not like throwing you to the, off the edge of the cliff and even giving the example with the students that you have timely interventions. So you know at what point that, that it's judging that point that you do intervene to not, to not completely, if you go off the other end of it, it might be an experience that, that someone never wants to repeat. Mm -hmm. or do or doing anything so it's a fine it's it's kind of a fine balance and I wanted to say that not that we would let the kids walk off for the whole evening um and we would just meet them in the morning to see what the lesson learned would be there there are points that we would intervene <laughs> yes good um, yeah <laughs> yeah um cool and then another another point that I think is where they like that you could go on to um and talk about a whole lot more And that is the fact that we've talked today very much on, a, on, on about resilience on personal levels, on how we as individuals train and support that and how we can equip um, different people, different um, 
organizations through supporting their employees to develop resilience. But actually, as a world, we need to create a world that is more resilient because we can see at the moment that we're in the, you know, we're in a crisis. We're in, you know, we're into year two now of a pandemic and our societies have a lot of com complex issues and as well as creating, and we have obviously the even bi bigger crisis of climate change, we need to be creating lifestyles and um, societies that are resilient. And yes, that starts, that starts with us here, but it also is in the fabric of, of the societies that we are part of and that we build. So a greater topic to dive into at another point, maybe. Yes. Well, I think that's an exciting theme and is it a thesis? I'm not sure. No, it's not a thesis <laughs> yet, but something to explore. And my first instinct is there's a lot of ambiguity, a lot of multiplicity within that and probably many more questions than answers. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> on that's how true. To I don't think we're going yeah. to solve that one today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. How, so um, saving the world mm. by being resilient <laughs> might be a <Yes>. topic <laughs> some other time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What are your three or four key words that you would like to take with you from what we were talking about as a wrap-up? So I think... Resilience is a journey and that you can be in it at different points on that journey, at different points of your life and different points in different experiences. Um, I also will take from you the reframing exercise that we did or the reframing game. I, that was really fun. And I think that's a really fun thing, actually. I might use that when I'm on my next ski tour and having a wobble as I'm trying to climb up something steep. I might try and um, change my change my mental script there <laughs> to something that's, <laughs> that's not like, I'm going to slide down this mountain. <laughs> and yeah, the, the, the power of positivity. Yeah. How about you? I'll stick to optimism and power of positivity, linking it to gratefulness, being grateful for things, and relationships, like developing strong relationships, positive relationships. And the other thing is yeah, taking responsibility for my own actions as a, a means to be more resilient rather than pointing at others. I am the one who can make a difference. Well, that's super inspiring, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't we try to be and uh, what we to walk the walk and not just do the talk? Oh, yeah. Talk, yeah. <laughs> to, to walk the talk, that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tend to get sayings wrong because I mix up German and English and they just place themselves somewhere in my brain in the middle between languages <laughs> well yes so this is um the last of our talks in this season of the grow zone and next season we are going to be inviting other real-time adventurers from all different walks of life to join us and talk about their real-time adventures what the grow zone means to them yes exactly so curious we're going on a new adventure <laughs> as usual if you have if you have enjoyed what you've heard please go 
onto iTunes. And if you've enjoyed it, please do leave us a five-star review and maybe write a few words about what you've enjoyed about it. If you have feedback for us or questions for us, then do email us. Our email is hello at thegrowzone.de. Yep, and thank you to everyone who has been listening to our episodes. It's quite exciting to see the curve growing of listeners who are deciding to listen to more and more of our episodes. So thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to The Grow Zone Real-Time Adventures. For more adventures and information, check out www.sarahoopner.de, The Grow Zone, or fourelements.eu.